So welcome back to Toddcast. I am your host, Dr. Todd White. Uh, privileged and honored to be the superintendent of the Blue Valley Schools. Uh, today we continue our conversation into safety and security. And if you'll remember last time when we were talking with Dan Carney, our director of safety and security, we kind of ended with um, this conversation about things that are kind of perplexing us as we move forward with respect to safety and security, but really things that are um, impacting students. And so we, we certainly talked about what uh, we believe is one of the most um, pressing issues that we have right now is vaping uh, with students. And so today we are certainly thrilled to have um, a perspective of a principal. So here joining us today is Scott Roberts, principal of Blue Valley Southwest High School. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello, Dr. White. Happy to be here today. Great, great. And we truly have an expert um, in this uh, area, not necessarily in vaping per se, but uh, certainly uh, an expert in the field of medicine, but also uh, in some of the uh, CDC issues that uh, impact um, our country and and certainly um, all Americans, but when it comes to vaping, and that's uh, Dr. Chris Jensen. So, Chris, thanks so much for spending time with us uh, today, and uh, and welcome. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. Awesome. Great. So, guys, let's just uh, talk about here generally uh, about, uh, you know, what, what is vaping? Because, honestly, we might have some moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and other people that are listening in and uh, really don't necessarily know what vaping is, so kind of remove the assumptions. What is vaping? And Chris, you did a great job the other night when you were presenting to some of our parents about uh, exactly what that is. So why don't you just kind of give us a general definition about what vaping is? Sure. Um, You know, vaping came about ironically by a pharmacist and it was a uh, smokeless tobacco alternative. And when it was initially devised, um, the thought was that it might be marketed as a smoking cessation program. And I think that's how it got that initial connotation or idea. Um, and what we see it evolve to um, as industry took hold is it's, it's really become a cultural phenomenon. Um, and it, it involves a device that contains a pod or a cartridge. Inside that pod or cartridge is a liquid. The predominant contents of that cartridge and liquid are water, nicotine, um, glycerol, um, flavorings with diacetyl, and various other chemicals. And the bottom line that, that doesn't sound good. Uh, it is it is certainly <laughs> right? more yeah it is certainly more than water vapor absolutely right yeah yeah and and I think the impression is um, when people don't initially look into what the vaping product actually is and entails they think it's harmless water vapor that's got some flavoring with it and maybe some nicotine you know and that's the extent of of their information and, and I don't fault them because in a lot of ways that's how it's presented. But the reality, as, as we just chatted about, is there's actually a lot of uh, chemicals and, and ingredients in the e-cigarette mixture. And when the device is triggered, um, a series of events will happen and a battery supplies power. It heats up that liquid to extremely high temperatures, um, well over 200 degrees Celsius, and you're going to create an aerosol. And then the user is going to inhale that aerosol, driving most of the contents that are suspended in that, in that vaping mixture to now go deep into the lungs. And so it's it's a complex process of getting a lot of different chemicals way down your lungs and then they're subsequently absorbed into the bloodstream. So I think um, when you ask the average person, to, to your point, they think vaping is three things, water vapor, flavoring, and a little bit of nicotine. And as, as we've really found out, um, it's way more than that. 
Right. So I, I want to go into this a little bit because um, I, I learned so much, by the way, from listening to you um, the other evening. Uh, for our listeners, we, we held an event that uh, Dr. Jensen was the keynote of, and it was dubbed Vaping in the Valley. Um, and um, we kind of played a little bit on the on, you know, maybe some catchy um, theme there, but we, we really see this as serious. I mean, we see it as an epidemic in Blue Valley uh, and one of the most uh, severe health concerns that we have for uh, for students and anybody else, quite honestly, that's using it, uh, but certainly uh, for our kids. But when, when this first was um, devised and began to be marketed, it really came out as being a healthy alternative to cigarettes, Right. That is correct. Yeah. And so um, it's it's really a misnomer. It is not a healthy alternative to cigarettes, right? No, it's not at all. And, and there's a little bit of irony. If you look at some of the largest owners across the United States of um, smokeless tobacco products or, or vaping products, um, you know, they are ironically the original tobacco industries. For example, I'm just going to use one, and I don't mean to pick on them specifically, but, you know, Altria, who's an umbrella company um, with Philip Morris, also has invested in Juul. And what we see these companies now running is ads um, saying that, hey, switch over to vaping. If you smoke right now, switch over to vaping because it's a more healthy alternative. And the irony behind that is the traditional cigarette market was expiring and dwindling. And they are trying to create a positive image of vaping and saying, hey, not, o- not only is it out there and it's not that bad, but in fact, we're going to try and get you off your cigarettes and transition to vaping. Um, and that's some creative marketing. Um, and it creates the impression that, uh, vaping is a safe alternative and it is not. If you go to the FDA or the CDC or national Institute of health and look up with your Google search, um, ways to quit tobacco or ways to quit smoking, you will notice that vaping is not listed and it's been around for more than 16 years. There's been plenty of times to research it. Um, there are many different modalities to quit a nicotine addiction. Vaping is not one of them. And probably the biggest reason for that is, is because as you are trying to move away from nicotine, that's a pretty difficult process. That's a pretty strong addiction. But the last thing you want to do is add more dangerous chemicals to the mix. And there are strategies with, with gums, with medications, with, um, replacements, with patches, that deal with the nicotine drug level and slow you bring down. Whereas vaping, you know, you're going to actually introduce new chemicals, new threats. And so while you're trying to remove yourself from nicotine, even if you were able to successfully do that with a vaping device, um, you are now exposing yourself to additional chemicals that are in some ways more dangerous. It's it's ironic that um, it seems they're just staying one step ahead of the next class action lawsuit because they moved, they moved, they, they lost all those lawsuits and, and now we're to the next phase. And, and this one probably more so than even um, cigarettes targeted young people, Absolutely, which is the part of it that is, you know, as a parent myself, I have, I have four children, 19 to, to 12. And it's, it frightens the, the heck out of me because, you know, Chris would say multiple times, we don't even have enough data yet. Um, the CDC won't come out and say they're finding for us. It's going to take a while to do some longitudinal studies. Think about these young people when they're 32, 33, 34 years old and, and the things that are um, that, that they've ingested um, and they were marketed as a safer alternative. Yeah, um, that's so, and I think that what we really want people to know about this is that th- there is uh, we've mentioned it, but there is specific marketing 
that is targeting our young students, uh, school-age students, and not just high school, by the way. It's, it's also younger uh, students as well. And uh, parents and guardians and grandmas and grandpas, everybody needs to be aware of this, that it's, um, it's an all-out assault to, in order to get you hooked uh, onto this. And so, um, Scott, we've, we've certainly seen the, um, uh, the increase of activity uh, in our schools uh, for this. It's the reason why we, uh, we're having this podcast. We, we uh, listed the help of Dr. Jensen, and we're suggesting that it's an epidemic uh, for us, because we've we've seen such a, a rise in the activity of this over the last several years, it's just blossomed. And uh, so, talk a little bit about what you see in schools in terms of how this marketing is actually grabbing hold of of students, and, and what we see, you know, some of the impacts uh, in school. Yeah, when you ask students uh, why they vape, and many of them, the 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 term they use is, well, it looks cool. Mm. You know, it's and it's really hard for you guys to catch us because it looks like a it looks like a, a thumb drive. It looks like something that looks like a piece of technology. So you, you guys didn't know what you were looking for. And they were right. We didn't. I mean, it, it took the other thing about vaping in this industry is it's unregulated. And when cigarettes were introduced, they were introduced, took a while. The FDA regulated them. But now you have an industry that is worldwide. It's global. Most of where our students get their. Um, you know, they're, they're going to get it from people who older, um, students who are going right. to get the, the yeah. jewels, but a lot they're, they are ordering them online, having them shipped to their home and then selling them, um, illicitly, um, like a drug, frankly. And so, and they're not targeting just kids that are 14. They're targeting kids that are eight, nine, 10, 11. So any, anyone listening that has elementary age kids, ask the question, get online, Google what a jewel looks like. It looks like a, a, a small um, flash drive like you plug into your computer because in essence that's what it is it's a piece of technology i think that's so important i'm glad you brought that up <clears throat> because i was astonished when i just did a google search of i think i did vaping devices and went to images and what came up i was like that could be in anyone's backpack and no one would really think the other i mean it's a it's a flash drive it's a pin it's you know it's not these uh, large devices when it when e-cigarettes first came out you know they were the size of a uh, you know a cell phone right. now they're very very um, nondescript and and I think that that's the other part of the marketing is is that the technology that's matched with that marketing is really making it very difficult to detect it and and that's uh, part of the proliferation is because quite would would you suggest that we're kind of behind the curve on trying to catch up to this we were way behind the curve yeah, we yeah. probably still are but we're making gains yeah um you know we started you know it really th- from from both dr white and, and and the board of education dr white came into a meeting and i, and I yeah i'll never forget this i've used it a hundred times he's like we're losing this thing we're gonna stop losing we're going to take a warrior mentality about this. We're going to go in this and we're going to hit this thing head on, um, which it has been, it had been so frustrating to all of us. And we, we, we found ourselves feeling helpless, which is not the way we should feel. Right. Um, you know, parents in the school district have entrusted us to, to help their children. And, and we, 
weren't doing a great job because we just felt like we didn't know what we were doing. Um, we didn't, we, we couldn't keep up with the technology. The other thing that's dangerous about these, these are electronic devices and electronic devices sometimes fail. And when they fail, they fail spectacularly. Yeah. So not only are you ingesting things in your lungs, when these things, we've had a, a case, we had one where one blew up in a kid's backpack, burned his backpack in a classroom. We had to get it taken out. We had to put, we had to use a, um, a fire extinguisher. If that had been in that young man's mouth at the time, he would have had third degree burns all over us. I mean, could have done permanent damage. Google that. That is also happens every day in the United States. And so we decided to take a completely different stance. Um, the other thing about when you have a cigarette, it's a cigarette. Mm-hmm. When you have a cigar, it's a cigar. When you have this device, you can put any number of, of chemicals. Um, you know, so talk with, about that because yeah, it's more our, than just nicotine, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because you, you think about the proximity of what we are to the state of Colorado. Coming, coming east on I-70 is a whole range of waxes and oils and dabs. Google dab. Find out what that is. We're talking what is high. It? What dab, is a dab? Dab is a, is a highly concentrated, um, almost a wax of THC. So you're taking old-time pot, about 4 or 5% THC. These are as much as 60%. THC highly concentrated, so and that's a so a dab is a highly concentrated THC yep. the, the marijuana and you can and you superheat that and make that into an oil which you can Google how to do this and make it into an oil it's on YouTube they'll take they'll take you through one step at a time exactly how to do it there are whole sites based on this stuff you can take that put that into a vape and now you're superheating sixty percent THC so someone's high what we may have thought of as high is different you're highly concentrated I and mean, we're seeing kids almost od on something you didn't think you could od on mm-hmm. um, so so chris talk just a little bit about the medical side of that because i it's both the we've we've talked about nicotine and yeah. we talked about the strength of that as well and i think that you you had a slide the other night so i'd like for you to talk about that but also move into this notion about there's illicit illicit drugs now that can be, you know, compromised in such a way that they can be vaped as well. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. So when when a vaping manufacturer or e-cigarette manufacturer voluntarily reports their information to the FDA, they generally build the product as advertised. But the problem that Scott's alluded to is these are very easy to handle and manipulate. And so after manufacturer alterations are extraordinary. Um, and whereas kind of like you said, you, you really can't mess much with a cigar or a cigarette, right. but with a vaping device, we've seen everything from, um, crushed up opioids mm-hmm. to MDMA along the lines of ecstasy. Um, certainly with marijuana and THC in various concentrations. Um, there's been additional hallucinogenics, PCP, uh-huh. mm-hmm. mushrooms. Um, and so it depends on the skill level and creativity of the individual working with it. But the problem is. In our Google-aged era, um, you know, most kids are pretty bright, and it's not hard if you want to to get on YouTube and find out how to do something. Um, they can do it themselves. Um, a individual who's selling to them could do it, to not because they're a terrible person, but because they're trying to enhance the addictive nature of what they're selling to that individual. Um, sometimes users aren't even unaware until they go through the vape experience that they've gotten something additional, and by the time they've ingested it, it's too late. Right. Um, and you hope they come forward and ask for help, but they might be scared to do so, you know, because they know that they're inherently doing something wrong and now they don't want to get caught. Um, and so it's a tough thing, you know, because you want to, above all else, I think, take care of students and take care of kids and be available should something go wrong. 
Um, but at the same time, you're also telling them, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Um, and so it's, it's a difficult position to be in. I'm glad as a district we always put the health and welfare of kids first. Um, and I think our kids generally know that. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of students don't realize, and they were shocked when I shared it with my anatomy class, like, do you know how easy it is to do this? You know, and, and, and this is what you can add to it and so forth and so on. And by no means would we instruct a child how to do that, but they're aware of Google and they know yeah, YouTube and sure. they realize they can hunt down these things. Made aware of the dangers of it, right? Yeah. So um, I think that one of your slides the other night uh, suggested, you correct me if I'm wrong, that that one, uh, I'm going to call it a pod. Is that is that the right? Yeah, term? I think that's a good term. That one pod that you can put into a vape of nicotine is equal to one pack of cigarettes. Is that is that right? Yeah. So you're on the right track when we're talking about Juul. Um, and your your memory is good. So vaping pods differ in the amount of nicotine that they allegedly contain and assuming no one's tampered with them they're pretty accurate in representing Mm -hmm. so they can range anywhere from six milligrams way up to a higher dose um interestingly enough we're going to go back to marketing for a second if you'll allow me um a lot of times how it's presented to young individuals is that there's not much nicotine in a vape and so for example, um, there's a lot of advertisements that will say, hey, a cigarette contains between 10 to 12 milligrams of nicotine. And for the most part, that's pretty correct. However, after you smoke that cigarette and you actually see what's been ingested into the bloodstream, because keep in mind a cigarette burns, a lot of the chemicals go out into the atmosphere and you're not constantly inhaling a cigarette. So by the time it's all said and done, since the 1960s, we've known you get about one milligram of nicotine into your bloodstream from an individual cigarette. Well, what e-cigarette and vaping manufacturers are doing that's really kind of brilliant is they're just putting two facts out there and hoping you make a correlation. So they'll say, a cigarette has about 10 to 12 milligrams of nicotine. This vape pod has 12 milligrams of nicotine. Then they're hoping the kid will assume, oh, so a vape pod's equal to about a cigarette. It's not. Because a vape pod is not burning, it's not combustible, because the drug is not so much delivered until you inhale, Right. And you're capturing way more of that aerosol than you ever would from a burning tobacco product. You actually ingest far more. And so to get back to your original point, um, if you do an average Juul cartridge at a traditional strength, that is equal to 24 cigarettes, which is basically a pack. Mm. That is a conservative estimate. Uh, it could be higher than that. So if a kid does two Juul pods in one day, that's honestly about 50 cigarettes. We are seeing higher levels of nicotine than we traditionally see because the average individual doesn't rapidly smoke 24 cigarettes. Right. You know, heavy smokers might go through a pack a day over a course of a day. Right. But they're not doing it in one setting. And so this has actually led to some nicotine toxicities. You know, another point I'm going to point uh, go about is um, the device is so easy to use. All you have to do is inhale that it triggers the heating element. Um, you know, not only there are accidents with it, Scott, but um, it's so easy to use that toddlers can pick it up. Mm. So you might have an older child in your house who's using a vape device. Perhaps a younger kid, five or six, finds it in a drawer. And we've seen an astronomical increase through poison centers across the United States of nicotine overdoses in the age of seven and under. Mercy sakes. And the reason is because a six-year-old doesn't know how to get a lighter and combust a cigarette. And they might. But it's a lot harder than picking up the device that's made to go in your mouth and just sucking back on it. So it's a, which most toddlers will do to everything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Goes yeah. right to the mouth. Oral phase. Exactly. exactly. So, so it's uh it's not an alternative, a safe alternative to cigarettes. 
uh, our kids are being marketed to like no other uh, product that I've ever seen in 35 years of education. Yeah, and, and in fact, forgive me for interrupting, do you know on the CDC website, if you're at home and you want to Google www.cdc.gov forward slash tobacco forward slash data, you will find that in 2016, $9.5 billion was spent on advertising on promotion of cigarettes and smokeless tobacco, about $26 million every day. If that number still doesn't mean anything to you, that's $1 million per hour. Goodness gracious. Given that traditional cigarettes are a fading market, I think it's fair to assume that most of that money is being spent on e-cigarette vaping products. Absolutely. So this is a war right now that I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm making some assumptions, but I think they're fair. That I believe that the tobacco industry feels that they can get people addicted to the nicotine component of this early in their life, they've got a lot of customers. Absolutely. For a very long time. That's the, that's the presumption. Yes, sir. And um, so let's go back to the school side of things. So because of this data that we have now, the, the marketing push, the uh, certainly the uh, the effects of equivalency of smoking, you know, a pack or more a day, we're seeing we're seeing that we really have to change the way that we're doing things. You kind of mentioned this sort of warrior mentality. So tell our listeners a little bit about honestly the the changes that we made in midstream. Uh, we we started treating this very differently, and uh, we are, if you will, and I use this with all intensive purposes, attacking this in a very um, uh, forward fashion. So tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, we we changed. One of our first things was one of the first pieces that we did um, was we changed the consequences, frankly. Um, and in the past, we treated um, any vape the same as we treated tobacco. And in all, all of our schools, we have a kind of a code of conduct right. that each of the each of the high schools uses. And, and that was a, if you were in possession um, of a uh, of, of a tobacco product, it was a two day in school suspension. You're also going to get a ticket from the city of Oakland Park, um, and and that's a $25 ticket, and uh, it is a, it's a mandatory, mandatory notice to appear in court, um, which is with your parents, which is certainly inconvenient, not what people are looking for. But frankly, that wasn't enough. So because we now know that you can't assume that what is being vaped is necessarily a tobacco product, we are now treating it like an illicit drug, whether it was marijuana, cocaine, heroin, um, PCP, whatever that is, we're treating all vapes like they're illicit drugs. So now, so when it first came out, we treated it just like a cigarette, albeit an electronic version. Right now, we know it's that we more. that it's more, and we're not treating we're treating it just like a drug. Right, and yeah. and in our in our school district, what what we do is we treat um, we treat that as a, as a five day out of school suspension. Now, in all these cases, our hope is not just punitive. Right. It's also support and help and information. And so we also offer um, a way to reduce that. And the way we, that you can reduce that um, penalty is to go through a, a, a vaping cessation program through MD Anderson um, that we then offer um, the Inspire program. That we, so talk a little bit more about yeah. that because I do think that that's important. We, uh, we certainly want consequences for behavior that we believe is detrimental to self and others. We also want to make sure that we educate because I think the most important piece about this and one of the reasons why we're doing the podcast today is that people need to know. There, there's, a, there's a huge uh, educational component here about the effects and what it looks like and what it can do and all of that. And so part of our way of, of doing that is through uh, MD Anderson, well-recognized 
you know, in the area of medicine and certainly uh, working with cancer and the like. But uh, but uh, it's, an, uh, it's a program called Aspire, and it's got some components to it. And we're asking not only the student but also the parents to go through it, right? That, that's correct, yeah. uh, because we want them to go through it together. Now, a family can choose not to. They would then have that five-day um, out-of-school suspension. We don't believe that will be the option. We, we believe most families, um, when, when given this opportunity, will, it will open their eyes. Um, what will also happen, one of the things, um, we all did this, but at Blue Valley Southwest, I felt like it was important that every student saw me. So I went to every, student, I went to every English class. I talked to every class. And I said, here. I gave them some basic information. Dr. Jensen had been kind enough to share some information. So I gave them some basic information about why we think this is a public health crisis, why we are concerned about them as, as young people. And then we talked about the change of consequences. And um, I had a lot of students whose eyes, they, their eyebrows raised. They were surprised that we had taken this. I had other people, I had a lot of students who were nodding their heads because frankly, they're tired of it. Right. They don't like going to a bathroom and and having to, it's very difficult to detect because it, it evaporates instantly, but it has an odor typically. And students, there were a lot of students in the school that my daughter's a sophomore. She thinks it's the dumbest thing in the world that, that, that the students would do that. So for her, you know, for her and students like her, this was a, this was a way for maybe students to make a different choice. Sometimes if you just give students a reason to do the right thing, um, because they don't want to get in trouble, they don't want that. Um, the other thing I told them, and I'm serious about this, it's one thing to use and possess. It's another thing to distribute. And yes, so if absolutely. students distribute, I believe you're not only harming yourself, but other dist- distribution takes a couple different forms. It's selling, which we know happens. It's also just providing. Here, take mine. Here, take a pull off mine. Here, take some of my vape juice. And if you do those things, that's very serious. And, and we take that any student that, um, that we're able to determine is um, distributing um, will take to an, uh, to an expulsion, yeah. um, long-term suspension hearing. To me, that's, that's very serious. Um, and that also was shared. And there were, there were students whose those eyebrows raised. But I wanted them to hear, we're no longer, we're no longer taking this um, as we aren't, we're not going to be passive anymore. We're going to be very active about this. And we were always active about determining we wanted to know that these were the changes that were being made. And, uh, and I believe it's had some effect. I really do. I'm not saying vaping doesn't still occur here on campus because it does. We also changed some things that we did as a staff. You know, we used to, when, on block days, we have longer periods. We used to have classes would go out. They'd take a, a three-minute break, maybe go out, stretch your legs if they were doing something in class. We kind of said, we're not going to do that anymore. Um, that's, that basically yeah. sends a whole bunch of kids to the bathroom at the same time, right. um, one at a time, you know, if you, students should come in one at a time, let's be smart about this. We do a lot of visits to, to restrooms, frankly, sure. walk in and out. Um, our, our school resource officers do so, so that students know, um, that, that we know. And then act, we have to, we have to depend sometimes on students knowing the right thing and wanting to do the right thing and letting us know. Um, and if we know, we know <clears> students <throat> that may be selling or distributing, those are students that we're going we're gonna to look into. We're going to investigate. Right. And if we can prove that that's what's going on, then we're going to take pretty serious consequences. Well, thank you. For, I know that it took a lot of time <laughs> to do that, but I think it's so important uh, that they not only hear from the principal, but they also um, hear it, you know, if you will, kind of face-to-face so that they understand that we're, we're not treating this like um, something else that we, you know, might have changed our – our position on uh, we really see this as a public health crisis and it's important for everyone to know so speaking of that and as we kind of wind down today 
Um, I normally ask um, our guests to um, give me one thing that you believe that we should continue to do in this work. Uh, one thing that we should start to do uh, in in combating this uh, vaping uh, epidemic and um, something that maybe we should stop uh, doing. And so um, I want you to 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 now speak directly to our moms and our dads and our patrons and and others that are that are listening to this and w- what is what is one thing that you really want them to know that we we've we've started doing this and we're going to continue to do this in order to um to both attract attention and educate but also make sure that we keep kids safe um, I think one thing that we have to continue doing is is keeping them informed with facts they can trust. I think one nice thing is that, you know, we have a very um, loving, caring, and open school system, and and at pretty much at every age, you know, my daughters are going through the elementary schools, and I adore my kids that are high school students here, um, and I know our middle schools are great, but I think for the most part, our students consider teachers another, you know, trusted adult. Right, And I think having open conversations that are very factual, yet not emotional in nature. Um, I mean, a lot of these kids know it's wrong, but I think you're not trying to put them down. You're just trying to provide, are you aware of this? Do you know this? Have you been told this? And and just leaving those facts hang. Because most kids, once they're informed, you know, often will make better decisions. And that's one of the things that I would hope to continue to do is give them honest, straightforward facts and not to, not to hide it, just to be an open book about it. Right. And I know that you've shared uh, earlier in, in this broadcast, but also uh, with our parents the other night that, you know, go to the CDC there, there's, you know, really good factual information there that can really give you kind of the, the straight business about what vaping is and what it can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Scott? One of the things that I think we should continue to do is to offer both consequences. But one of the things I told the students was you have a free free pass here. If for some reason you are addicted and you want help, you come to us. Right. We will provide you this, whether it's the Aspire program, other smoking cessation programs, tobacco cessation programs in the community. We have a lot of community resources. We're going to continue to say, if you want help, come get help. Um, and there will be no consequences. There will be no, nothing punitive there. You're asking for the help, and we're always going to provide that. We're not, we don't have these consequences because we love to go out and suspend students. Right. We want to provide a deterrent, a reason to do the right thing. But our number one goal is how can we help you? Mm-hmm. That's, we, we want to help the children in this community. I'm, I'm not just a principal. I'm a dad in this community. So this is, I'm, I'm passionate like all the other parents. Right, and and I'm a grandfather, so we we want to make sure that all of our kids are uh, are safe and cared for. So, um, so we talked about something that we should continue um, start. What what is something that we should we haven't done yet that maybe we ought to be thinking about? You know, one thing I'd love to look into is um, sometimes kids talking to kids is your best resource, mm. and this is largely a peer pressure dictated phenomenon. Yeah. And you mentioned that it's kind of like an epidemic. Well, it literally is by every definition. You know, if if this were an infectious disease, we would have a major crisis on our hands as a country. Um, And we do have a major crisis on our hands. um, But we're we're dealing with it a little behind the curve because um, the effects from vaping are really going to be delayed. But going back to the idea of kids talking to kids, I think a lot of small group leadership type sessions, whether it be a social media push within a school whether it be um, getting kids to spread the message themselves, 
um, you know, that's a more realistic way because they're going to tell you what they respond to and what might be more factual. I mean, the idea of sitting down with some student leaders in a school and saying, okay, we all know it's bad. How do we actually reach your peers? Mm, yeah. You know, and, and that is coming together as a community and putting faculty and students on the same team. And I think one of the things you want to do is, is they're going to tell us what we need here. You know, it needs to be safe. It needs to be reassuring. It needs to right. be, if kids come to us, we give them help. It's not, you know, and, and so I think student led initiatives in this particular issue might be something rewarding. That's excellent. Excellent point. I think and I'm speaking as a parent to other parents. Um, I think if you haven't done so, you need to start having open, honest conversations. If you've listened to this podcast and you heard the brilliant Dr. Jensen, he has given <laughs> you all that you need to know for agree. facts. Yeah. Sit down and have an open. I know we were we were in crazy lives. Well, on your way to soccer practice, say, have you been? Has anyone ever t- attempted to give you a vape or, or sell you a vape? Has this happened? Do you know what really this is? Do you know? I know you've seen it, and you're, you've probably been aware. Of it. Have an open and honest conversation. If you haven't done so, start now. It's not too late. And I'm not just talking to high school parents. I'm talking to parents of second and third graders because there's a good chance by the time they're in the third, fourth, or fifth grade, they may. Be they may someone may encounter them. Right. They may encounter this older so, sibling, older or sibling, over at or somebody's house, or something. Any number of things. Have that conversation now, right. even though this can be kind of an uncomfortable conversation. Or surely that would never happen to my child. It can happen. Right. And so start having those conversations. And there's nothing more powerful to these children than their parents. Even though some of you don't believe that, and your your kids are treating you like you're the dumbest person in the world. <laughs> my kids certainly do. They still look up to Absolutely. you. They need you. And, and you being that adult and you being that caring parent is so important. I, I would extend that to say that um, parents talking to parents, you know, you talked about the peer. So there's a, there's a lot of pressure on parents, you mm-hmm. know, do the right thing, make sure that, you know, uh, what are other parents doing that, um, that uh, influence that. So get a group of parents together that you socialize with and have this conversation about educating yourself about it and then just make sure that, hey, we're going to look after one another. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of the see something, say something sort of uh, opportunity for not only our students but also for our parents as well. So as we wrap up today, let's think about something that we uh, should consider stop doing. You know, I'm going to take an easy way out here, but um, I'm going to go back to when I was an emergency room physician if you're dealing with a kid or you're dealing with a patient, what they both have in common is they're actually trying to tell you what they want you to know. So I'm going to say you need to stop and listen. I think our life is extremely fast. I think this is a sensitive, difficult topic that chances are your kid doesn't know how to bring up. And if they ever start going down a conversation that could lead to it, that might be their intent. And I think taking a moment to pause and stop and listen is probably something that I'm guilty of not doing a very good job. Um, but you know, I try to do that with my own kids and sometimes I fail and sometimes I'm successful, but just reminding yourself, if your kid is trying to spark a conversation about school, it may start as that and lead to this and just stopping and listening. Well, I started to follow that one up. So, uh, I would I say, <laughs> I would say, um, we need to stop as, uh, parents, as educators thinking, um, uh, being embarrassed. Oh my mm. goodness, I can't mm. believe this happened with my child. Right. And then, the sh- oh, I don't want to share this story with somebody else. Actually, you sharing your own story, um, as Dr. White mentioned, with, with a community of parents, is really powerful. Yeah. Because now you are, you're educating somebody else. Absolutely. And, and saying, or call up the school, hey, this is happening in my home. I was afraid to call you. Remember, those are all free. No one gets in trouble on that. Um, I, I was afraid my... I don't know what to do. I know my, my son or daughter's vaping. We can't get them to stop. They've even told me they're addicted. 
please help. Um, if you don't call us, we may not know. Um, and if you do see something, you're something suspicious, something you're not sure about, and you don't know where to go, you can always call local law enforcement, but call our school. We have school right. resource officers. That's right. what they're here for. Right. Um, call, call any trusted adult, whether it be a teacher, um, an administrator, and let us know this is something you're concerned about. That gives us the information that we need. So I would say just stop being embarrassed. Stop thinking that you have some code where we have to, I don't want someone to know something maybe negative about my family. That can really help us. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. Well, thank you very much. Um, I think that our listeners will take great benefit of your wisdom and your passion and your care for kids and uh, because it certainly came through today. So, Dr. Chris Jensen, thank you so much. Thank um, you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Dr. Scott Roberts, thank you so much for your leadership and also being a warrior about <laughs> making sure that kids are safe and well cared for. So thanks very much. Again, thanks very much for listening. Uh, as always, we try to provide you with both information, uh, but also an opportunity for us to share the things that are going on in Blue Valley that we're proud of. And we're proud that we're taking care of kids and we're tackling tough issues uh, head on. So thanks very much for that. Our next Toddcast will be to introduce you to the next superintendent of the Blue Valley Schools, Dr. Tanya Merrigan. We'll have a great opportunity to get to know her and uh, look forward to her leadership. So until then, go out and make it a BV best day.